0: You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the Kingdom of God. For any more information visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. to take your seats. Amazing. Uh, So good to be with us on this new series that Ben launched last week. Um, Let's just pray before we open the Word of God. Lord God, I thank you that you have a plan for us God thank you that your plan is not that we just stay dormant in our faith and it's just about you and me but actually there's a world that's lost and for some crazy reason God you choose each one of us to be part of your rescue mission for our earth God we pray right now that you start to give us dreams and visions and ideas and names as this message is preached God would you speak to his Holy Spirit not my words but yours be done God we say in your name amen I want you to imagine for a second, let's engage your imagination, that it is the start of the summer. Do you remember those days where it wasn't cold and it wasn't wet? Um, I start of the summer and you're getting ready for your summer holiday and you are excited for the sand between your toes and the waves in the ocean and sipping on your lemon Fanta which is the best drink to drink abroad and you're ready for it and you're excited and you have browsed TripAdvisor and you're excited for your trip you browsed Instagram and if you're trendy TikTok to find out all the good places to go and where you're going and you get in your car you get ready, you start to drive on the A1 or the M1 or any other road is available. And You start to drive, you're getting ready to get to your holiday. And then that blinking thing happens again where your light is like need petrol. So you brace yourself and think, well, this is a good chance because I could also do with going for a wee. So you stop at a service station. Uh, and I did a little internet poll the other week on my Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, you get that sort of great high quality content of what are your favorite service stations. So, um, some top ones were Gloucester service stations, came out top, Gloucester service station is like, um, it's just pretty, it tricks you into thinking you're not in a service station. Woodall, firm favorite for the fans, oh clap for Woodall. T-Bay, that's good for the Cumbrians. Um Leeming Bar, one of the worst ones I've ever been to. Um, so there's all these service stations. You get to one of pick your favorite service station. You get there, and you walk in, and you go to the toilet, and it occurs to you that you're not responsible for these toilets. Whatever happens, toilet rolls running out, not your problem. And you think, that's nice. At home, I'm the only one that does that. Great. And then you walk out of the toilet, and you are washing your hands, and you'll see a little man or a lady there with a special belt on that has all cleaning tools, and you realize, I'm not responsible for keeping this place clean. This is nice. And then you walk into the foyer bit, and you see Krispy Kreme donuts, and you think, "Oh, Krispy Kreme donuts, this is great." Then you walk to Starbucks because it's a good service station. Starbucks, not a Costa. Costa's a bit rank compared to Starbucks. You walk to Starbucks, and the man asks you your name and asks you how you are, and you think he's a friendly guy. Don't get that at home. And then you get your name written on your cup like a personalised cup. Don't get that at home either. And you sit, you're drinking your Starbucks, you're eating your slightly questionable Krispy Kreme donut. Don't know how long it's been there. And you look around and you think, everyone around here is like me. They're all drivers too. And then you spy at the corner of your eye some massage chairs. And you think, three pounds for a little bit of massaging, this is great. And you look around the service station and think, what a good place to come. Everyone here is like me. They're all smiling. They're all drivers. There's donuts. There's an overpriced WH Smiths, which has books and folding camping chairs, which happen every season, WH Smiths and service stations. Have you ever seen anyone buy anything from those? No. They just exist all the time. And you think, I'm not responsible for cleaning. I'm not responsible for anything. Here, I can just be someone who's got the name on the cup from Starbucks. And it dawns on you. In a few minutes' time, you're going to have to get back in your car and drive again. And the problem is this. Some drivers are mean. (laughs) Some drivers say bad things through their fingers, or their mouth things, or they use their horns, Sometimes there's traffic jams and you don't know they're going to happen. Sometimes there's accidents and who knows, you could get involved in one of those accidents. Sometimes stuff goes wrong on the road, but right here where you are right now sat with your Starbucks cup and your Krispy Kreme, looking at the camping chairs, wondering if you need one, and looking at the massage chairs and seeing things cleaned around you, you realize this is good. Perhaps I will stay here for my holiday. I will go to Costa del Leaming Bar it's ridiculous. Nobody thinks, for my, my holiday this year, I'm going to go to service. No one thinks, do I do Walt Disney or Weatherby, Do I do Lanzarote or Leaming Bar? Do I go to Tenerife or T-Bay? T- they think, I'm going to go somewhere nice. I'm going to go on a destination. And yes, there's a hassle getting there sometimes. Yes, it costs a lot in petrol. Yes, you have to endure other drivers who aren't like you and aren't as skilled as you at driving. But we go through it. And the truth is this: sometimes, as Christians, we're a bit like that. Oh, we like church. Well, I hope you do, because people here are nice to you. Well, they should be. You have Jez on the door who says hello to you, and he makes you feel like at home. Your children are looked after here. That's nice. Don't get that at home. Is there ever a time where someone comes to you and says, "I'll take your children in 10 and antenna for 40 minutes"? You just sit there and relax. That doesn't happen in many people's homes. If it does. Mm, it's a problem. Um, you you, th- you, think people over here are nice to me. I feel good. I, I feel educated. I feel like I'm learning something and I'm pressing. I feel the presence of God. I feel inspired here. And so what happens if we're not careful is we think this is where I'm a Christian. I fit in here. This is it. I've made it. And that's ridiculous in the same way that no one goes holds on holiday to a service station. If our Christian faith just exists within these four walls, we've missed out because actually there's better destinations ahead than here. And here is so important, but this isn't it. This is the fueling station for us to go out and do something. This, not the destination this can't be it. I've heard people preach before, and I've probably done it myself, that, that uh, church is like a hospital for the hurting. And I do get that, because we don't want people to wait till they're polished and perfect, uh, and got everything together till they come to church, because if we're honest, no one would ever come in again, because none of us are polished and perfect and holy enough to be in the presence of God. And maybe you're new today, and you think, well, everyone else looks like they know what they're doing. They don't, they're just acting we all a mess, and if so, we, we get that idea, but a couple of weeks ago, after church on a Sunday, Noah ended up going to hospital. His knees were really bad, and some of you saw him not being very well, and as we got there, he wasn't well at all, and then over the six hours, he started to get better. Now, what they didn't do is say, just stay. Why did he you move in? I mean, it was a nice hospital room. We had a bathroom and everything, and there was a Max and Spencer's that had nice food, and he got a free tuna sandwich, but once he started to get better, they said, okay, out now, you need to go home and make space for someone else. And if we're not careful, if we see church just as a hospital, then what happens is we come here when we're broken and struggling. But as soon as we start to be healthy and whole again, we think, I don't really need it anymore. We need to be careful. That's not how we view church. It's not a a service station that we live at. It's not a hospital that we stay at when we're sick and then we leave. It's, It's more like an army, that the world is at war. But there's a war happening. There's a war on identity. Have you noticed what young people are going through? It's different than what I went through, and it wasn't that long ago that I was a young person. But now what they're walking through, the, the attack on identity is so strong. Well, there's a war on Christianity, I would say. It's, it's like any people group is off limits to mock in the media, on social media, in, in, on TV, apart from Christianity. Have you noticed that? You can say what you want about Christians, but not about anything else. There's a war against Christianity happening. There's a war uh, for your peace happening all the time. Just look at the media. It takes you two minutes to read a news article and suddenly your peace is gone. You know, you hear Ben preach just then about the, uh, about giving and giving a tithe, and you think, yeah, okay, I could do that. But then you open your phone, and you see that the first thing usually on the news, not right now because of the Queen, but is cross of living crisis, and the peace is taken again quickly. There's a war happening, so we need to be, as a church, an army that rises up and does something. We're on a rescue mission. We're not called to just sit here and wait for things to happen and kind of hunker down. Can you imagine? And now I'm not in the army, maybe surprised to know, but I've got friends that have, and they've told me this is true, that when there's a war, the army don't hide and kind of just kind of huddle together like a group of penguins and think, well, wait till it's over. One day it'll be over. And we as a church can't be that. If there's a war out there, we have to do something. We can't just sit and think, "Well, well, I know Jesus likes me. In fact, I know Jesus loves me, so we're okay. We'll just get through this, and at the end of our life, we'll go to heaven, and we're good. If that's it, we are missing out. We need to be people who are aware of what God is doing. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Uh, it may be a surprise to you. I've lost my Bible again, I found it again, and it is re-lost, potentially in Market Harbour, but we, we move, and, uh, and this is Ben's Bible, so let's hope it's still got the same words in. Okay, uh, verse 4, <laughs> Acts 1, on one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Spirit. They gathered around him and asked, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set for his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And he was taken up. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, Okay, two commands. Firstly, wait. Wait for God to do something. Wait for God to speak. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come and move on you and give you power. And often as Pentecostals in this place, we're quite good at the waiting. You know we have encounter nights we have we have these encounters but the we have worship that's just beautifully led uh, we have these incredible moments with the Holy, the Holy Spirit in our devotions we're good at waiting but if that's all we do you've missed out on the second part because then Jesus says okay wait till he comes and then go and do something about it. Don't just sit there with it. And so the disciples they they wait that, you know the story in Acts, the Holy Spirit comes down like tongues of fire, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in other tongues. They have these incredible encounters with God, and, it, and it's so good. And, in fact, it's awesome. But have you ever noticed that awesome isn't permanent? Like you have awesome moments, but then sometimes life happens, and you go back, and someone's sick, or or someone's mean to you, or you have a financial crisis, and it's not permanent. Because after the awesome moment where people are filled with the Holy Spirit, healings happen. People are speaking in tongues. Then persecution comes and the threat of prison comes. We probably haven't got that hanging over us, but we've we've felt like there's been a war that we've battled, some of us, even to get here this morning. And the thing about prison is this. It creates an opportunity to shape or to shake you. See, people started to get really cross with them. They were like, okay, we don't like this Holy Spirit. We thought we'd kill Jesus and done with all that. And yet, for some reason, this, this movement of Christians who are like Christ is growing, and the authorities couldn't get a handle on them. And so they were starting to freak out. So they started to say, okay, if you carry on this, we'll put you in prison. If you carry on this 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 way, we're going to start stoning you. And they started to threaten them. And the disciples and the apostles had this moment of, what do I do? Does it shake me? When things are difficult? Do I run away and hide? Or does this actually shape me into being a carrier of the gospel? So let's look in Acts um when we read on Acts 8, when we start to read about what happens next, because Stephen is kind of in the play now, and it seems like it's all going well, except this happens in verse 1. It says, and Saul approved of killing him. Stephen, one of the apostles, one of the people who's been following Jesus, spreading the gospel, doing incredible things, is stoned in front of people. I don't know about you, but that is not a good kind of recruitment drive for the Christians. You know, we've got the whole um, QR code and the, the video and stuff, which we're hoping people will see and be like, oh, that looks like something I could get involved in. Having someone stoned in front of people, not the most ideal way to grow the church. It says this, on what that day, great persecution gro- broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. And Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered, preached the word wherever they went. They took them to prison. Does prison shake you or shape you? So they had this opportunity. They'd heard Jesus say, I'm going to fill you and then you're going to go. And they'd stayed where they were but this gave them an opportunity to go and start scattering to go and start doing something go into all the ends of the earth go and start building the church they'd been together they'd learned together and now it was time to go and do something we have gone through a a a crazy couple of years in our world and i saw something the the other day saying i don't know about you but i'm sick of living through historical moments now anyone else this week alone has been a, a roller coaster of two prime ministers and two monarchs, that is probably never ever gonna happen again. This is insane. And we have gone through thing after thing after thing. And it's felt like, oh, my goodness, a bit like being a pinball machine that kind of bounced all over the place. And then we throw in, you know, the COVID and all that stuff and lockdowns and, and, and furlough and cost of living and all this stuff. And if we're not careful, what that does is it shakes us rather than shapes us. It should press us into what God's called us to, not pull us away from what God's called us to. And for the apostles, they leaned in and they started to recognize, hang on, Jesus kind of told us this was going to happen. He said we're going to be scattered. And this season, this series is called Scattered. And if I'm honest, when Ben and I talked about it, we were sat in Starbucks, ironically, uh, in in Gateshead. And and we talked about kind of, we had the same theme, but the word scattered. Because to me, it seems negative. I don't like scattering. I like order. Uh, And to me, it sounded like, well, that seems almost a bit negative. But this is what it actually means in the original as it's written. So this is, according to Boyce, he's a uh, theologian. He says this, there's two different words in the ancient Greek language for the idea of scattered. One has the idea of scattering in the sense of making something disappear, like scattering someone's ashes. The other word has the idea of scattering in the sense of planting or sowing seeds. This is the ancient Greek word used here. So the Bible is saying the disciples were scattered, they were sent around to all these places, and they start to sow seeds, and that's what started the birth of the early church. Often when you look back at a history, and someone much cleverer than me like David Foster would explain this to you even better, that often through persecution, through, through trial, through pressing that happens, that's when the church expands in a different way. I remember the day that we sat down with some of our trustees when when it had been announced that lockdown was going to happen and we had a few days to get things together. And I remember saying, uh, it'll probably need to be two or three weeks. Do you remember those days? Uh, And I remember Paul Thompson saying, it might be more like 12 weeks. And I was like, get out of here. Where's your faith? Um, But I remember in all this stuff, David saying, the church has always thrived in this. If we handle this right, the church will grow. People will find Jesus in this. We've got to handle what we've gone through really well. And so this is talking about the scattering of seeds. And when we think about scattering seeds, we think about this story in Matthew 13. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it, but it's going to be on the, the screen as well. This is Jesus talking. Then they told them many things in parable. He said, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered seeds, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places, and it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the sh- soil was shallow, when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times that was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then if we read verse 18, he starts to explain. he says, listen to what the parable means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. Can you think of people like that in our lives? Where troubles come and they've fallen away but the seed that fall among the thorns refers to someone who hears it, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produced a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. What Jesus is saying, it's not like an introduction to gardener's world. He's talking to people who would understand something about farming he was talking to people who would understand that the concept of sowing seeds and many of us nowadays if you're like me are understanding of how you get plants as you go to a shop and you buy them but in bible times it would be very common that they'd have farmers around them and what Jesus is saying is we have to do some we have to sow some seeds and scatter some seeds now not all of it will work not every conversation will lead to revival because even for Jesus, that was the case. Not every person loved Jesus, and he was the Son of God incarnate. But he's saying that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is we have to do something. We have to sow some seeds. I've got some stats for you. Do you like stats? Um, this is, okay, this is a stat. But first of all, let's, have, let's do a bit of a show of hands. Put your hand up if you're in church now because someone invited you. Could have been a parent brought you. Could have been someone. That, okay, Look around that you know Jesus, that you're a Christian in this place because someone invited you. Okay. This is the statistics of how someone comes to know Jesus. The first thing is that 2% come by advertisement. 2% of people come to church because of an advertisement. That's what these scattering cards are about. Now, 2% doesn't sound like a lot, but it's still a lot of people. It's still people who matter to God, and it's still a good thing to do. So 2% come because they found a flyer or they've seen something on Facebook or whatever, or whatever. 6% become because of pastoral invitation. No pressure on me. 6% come by organized evangelism campaign. So we're talking things like Christmas specials that we're going to start to plan soon and Easter events and delights and those sorts of things. 6%. You ready? 86% of people come because a friend or relative has invited them to church for the first time. 86%. And when we put our hands up, that's pretty accurate in here. That's a lot of people. Here's the next stat for you. When asked... of Christians had invited someone to church in the last year. That is a slightly shocking statistic. And probably not true for us because we're not American and a lot of that's based in America. But if we're honest, probably quite true for many of us. Because we've just got consumed with our own life, things are busy, we don't take notice, we just get on with stuff and we stop inviting. I've been praying and thinking about this about the four, some reasons why. And I want to go through a few reasons why maybe you've not invited someone recently. The first thing is fear. Fear. What if they don't come? What if they say no? What if they disown me? What if they delete me off Facebook? A couple of weeks ago, um, I went to Bishop Auckland and they had a family brunch. Um, So many of you will know if you've not been to Bishop Auckland recently, I'd encourage you to go. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen. This week was a different level. <laughs> um, so we're looking forward to tonight. Uh, there's just so many families coming who have never, ever set foot inside church or anything like church before. So you know anything can happen when that's happening. And so they're reaching out to all these communities and families and families are coming. And, and so they were down teams so I said, oh, I'll go and I'll do registration for all these families. And so I'm on the desk and there's uh, various people doing different stuff. And, and a lady comes out and the toilet is just in the foyer. And she kind of comes out of the toilet with looking very pale and she's like mm, there's loads of spiders in there and I, I don't do spiders and my daughter's freaking out we need the toilet can you get someone to deal with the spiders and so i'm like yep dan hoyle where are you and so i send various kids to go and find dan hoyle he is conveniently nowhere to be found he has explanations but i think he's just hiding and so at this point this little girl is getting quite desperate and i'm like okay I'm gonna have to deal with the spiders and so I'm thinking how bad can it be so I walk into the very small bathroom and it's like some sort of Halloween haunted house thing in there they are gigantic things are different in Bishop Auckland if you've ever been the people are different the spiders are different they're harder and so I'm like oh this could be the end <clears throat> I'm gonna have to deal with this but and then I have this moment of realization they can't actually hurt me they are just spiders And when I talked myself into that, I started to kind of get a little bit braver. And I was like, okay, I'm going to deal with the spiders. And I I don't know if there's any vegans here and and all that stuff. And if you are, that's totally fine. And we love you and Jesus loves you. But I wasn't feeling particularly vegan when I was dealing with the spiders. I I did rescue one or two, but then the need was great. So my slipper met, my sandal met some of them and they were ended. Um, But I did get the ones that I could and, and dealt with the spiders. And I had this moment of realization. Sometimes we build things up in our head that don't need to be built up this is one of them. We start to fear, what if they never speak to me again? Well, what if they do speak to you again? What if they actually do come to church? What if they come to church to find Jesus? What if their lives change? What if their eternity? Changed? What if their entire family's changed because of a conversation you have? We build up as this massive thing to be terrified of, and really it's not. I love what Noah said of, is it hard to, no, not really. Because it's not, it's just normal to him. And yes, he goes to a school that has a chaplain and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of his friends aren't from Christian families. A lot of the ones that he's brought, he didn't want to kind of ask the, answer the question about what are the wins. Because he's like, I don't want to do that. But the reality, and I'm his mum, so I can do it for him. The reality is about 20-odd people have come to Elevate because of Noah having conversations, posting on his Instagram. It's not that hard to build it up. The next thing is this, we don't do it because it hasn't worked before. We've tried it. When we were first a Christian, we told people, but that was 20 years ago. When a farmer sows seeds, if one seed doesn't bear fruit, he doesn't give up and think, well, I'm going to race car driving instead because this is clearly not for me. He carries on sowing seeds, and sometimes we've got to keep sowing. And also, you don't know if it hasn't worked. There's a tree in China called Chinese bamboo tree, and what happens is they plant the seeds, and for five years, nothing seems to be happening. It's just kind of dirt uh, with a seed underneath. And then on year five, something starts to happen, and it grows to, I think it's 80 meters, 80 feet high in six weeks. From nothing, something grows quickly. I wonder how many people have given up, moved house and thought, oh, well, that's not worked. And then someone else has walked in and got the fruit. And I think that's happened with us before. I think we're going to get to heaven and meet people that we had no idea or memory of having conversations with. A few weeks ago, when I was writing this message, I called my mum and said, mum, I know that we became Christians because we went to a Billy Graham event because Cliff Ritter was doing something at it, and I ran to the front and, and all that stuff. But how do we even know about it? Because it was the olden days; we didn't have internet. How did you even know that Cliff Ritter was doing something in Spennymoor? And so she said, "Well, I rang. I saw something Women's Own. Do you remember that magazine? Anyone a big fan of Women's Own? Is that still out? Yeah, oh, some people know. Adam seems to know. Subscription." Uh, someone somewhere had paid money to put an advert in Women's Own magazine that said Cliff Richard, the magical words to my mum. So my mum, we didn't have a house phone because we were poor. My mum walked to the, the um, you know, public phone, put her 50p in or probably 20p because it was cheap in those days, rang the number and said, what night is Cliff Richard on? And so the lady on the phone said, I'm not allowed to tell you because you know, there was various different people all the time and they wanted to kind of, you know, and it was like a campaign thing. And so my mum said, well, I'm not going to go. And the lady said, well, if, if I tell you, I could lose my job. But if you went tonight, you wouldn't be disappointed. <laughs> so my mum went that night. And then you, many of you know the story of that. I ran at the front, gave my details, and the church came around. We were completely unsafe. We were with a weird family. All sorts of stuff going on. That lady who answered the phone and risked her job that day has no idea what that led to. You don't know sometimes the conversations you're having and what the fruit is. I had a nana who was known affectionately by all of us as Crazy Nana, Uh, and I found out a while ago that she was actually a Christian, and we didn't really know her. She lived a long way away, but she prayed for us all the time, and she passed away before we even became Christian. She had no idea that the seed she prayed and sowed now result in what what we live in now. It's incredible, and sometimes we give up because we think, oh, it hasn't worked, and yes, it has, you just don't see it. The next thing is this. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to say. You don't have to preach a 16-point sermon. You just have to tell your story sometimes. We underestimate the power of your story. What if they ask me about tattoos? Or what if they ask me about suffering? I don't know the answer. Well, then you say, I don't know. But I'll find someone who does and come back to you. You don't lie and try and make it up. You just give them David Foster's phone number. Again, David's in my eyelines, dangerous place to sit. Um but you you find out, you don't have to wait till you know everything. Yes, understand theology. Yes, read some books. The J. John book that we gave, that we sold at conference is a great book. It helps you understand some basic theology. But if we wait until we know everything, then we're never gonna do anything. There's such a thing as analysis paralysis, and sometimes we have that. We want to wait because we don't there's so much to do. we, we do nothing. Can you imagine if a farmer just sat in his house thinking there's a lot of fields to do stuff. I'll never get this done. I'll just put the kettle on and have another cup of tea. Because there's just so much to do. And I feel like sometimes if we're honest, that's what we're like. We, we just sit there and think there's so many people who don't know Jesus. The world is so broken. So I'll just think about it. When actually we need to think less and do more sometimes. Get out and do something. So because we're fearful, because we don't know what to say, because it's not worked before... The next thing is this. We don't do it because we don't understand our position. Some of us don't understand. We don't have a platform, so we think we haven't got a position to do anything. One of my heroes in the faith is Susanna Wesley. She had 19 children. Some of them passed away as babies, but she raised lots of children. Uh, And she didn't have a platform. She was at a, a time where women weren't allowed to preach. They were given a pulpit. There was no microphones for her. But she understood her assignment, that her assignment were her children. And so when you read about her, the more I read, the more inspired I get. She spent her time sewing her life into her kids, speaking about things of God, teaching them to read the Bible before they could read books, teaching them to to pray well, teaching them the importance of disciplines and discipleship. Her husband was a minister and he was away sometimes, made some mistakes sometimes. But she faithfully led her children and then also started to lead other people. The People would come around to her house and she'd sit around her farmhouse table teaching people scriptures. She had no ability to do that because she was just a female. And yet something within her fire burned that said, while I'm on this life, while I have breath in my lungs, while God is speaking through his husband, I'll do something with it. And so some of you know... Some of you know the names of our children. You know John and Charles Wesley who started the Methodist Church, a radical movement. Why? Because our mom used her position well and decided that I don't have a pulpit, but I have a position and I have people that I have influence over. Sometimes we completely miss what God's doing. and We, we don't see that, that actually the person we sit next to every single day on the bus is hurting and just needs us to say, hey, how's your week been? We make it so complicated. We think I've got to start with... Uh, you know, I was reading the Word the other day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And, and we, we think we have to start speaking all weirdly. Don't be weird. Christians are so weird sometimes. Be less weird. Just be normal. Have conversations about normal things, and let God's light shine. Bible says they'll see your good deeds and they'll praise your Father in heaven. Let them see your good deeds, not in a braggy way, but let them see that you're doing something. Be different. Shine a light. And the last thing is, is we forget we forget what it's like not to have jesus i was speaking to a friend recently and, and she was she's not a christian at the moment and she said do you not think every time you go out and start to worry about how you're going to die and how your kids are going to die and i was like no and, and then she started to talk about how sometimes she doesn't leave the house for days because of all the different pressures and ways their kids could die and all the things that could go wrong and you know that they could be snatched or run over or all these things and she just got all this pressure and this weight and I realized as I was talking to her oh you don't know that Jesus is the hope you you, you don't know that he has me in his palm of his hands you don't know that it doesn't rest on me to parent my kids because I have the almighty God with me who helps me parent my children and then she was saying but you know I mean Noah's not that well and there's all this stuff you must be really panicking about that and I was like I mean, it's not great when he's not well, but no, God has got him. And we forget what it's like if we're just surrounded by Christians to not live with the hope that is is that that is Jesus. We need to sometimes realize what it is that we're walking through. It's hard when we walk through loss. It's hard when we walk through pain. It's hard when we walk through uncertainty. But when we have the anchor that is Jesus, it's a different pain. Of course, it's heartbreaking that the queen passed away. It's so sad. And I, like many of you, were surprised at how sad it was for me. But we know where she is right now. We know right now there's that beautiful image that's around where she's put her king at the feet of King Jesus. And that picture, that's where she is in eternity and safety. There's a a promise and a, a presence that Jesus changes things. And sometimes we get so absorbed in our lives, we get distracted and forget that actually God is needing his people to know him. We get so distracted that we stop being effective. We stop being effective. I was reading the other day about apples, not the products, you know, these apples. Um, And you know, apples, on average, have between 4 and 10 seeds in them. So for this apple, you could plant a tree. That's how apples grow. They grow through trees that are planted. Each apple tree grows about 300 other apples on the apple tree. Guess that they all have kind of five seeds in each apple. So that each apple tree will grow about 1,500 seeds. Those 1,500 seeds will then produce a p- potential of 450,000 other apples and then a potential of 2,250,000 no, 2, seeds. Those 2,250,000 seeds will then produce and just keep going. The mass gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what God can do with an apple seed. What can He do with you? If we just keep hold of this apple and just eat it like it was intended for and do nothing with the seeds, then it just becomes seeds that we throw in the bin. And sometimes I think some of us are throwing our seeds in the bin. We're just holding on to it and just thinking, yeah, Jesus has changed my life, but, you know, it's just for me and and Jesus. And the Christian journey, when you read anything in the New Testament, is not just about you and Jesus. It's about a a family. It's about a kingdom that we're, we're called to be part of, called to change, called to do something for. The kingdom. I love, if you read the devotions this week, you'll see that I wrote the devotion about just one man. He's called a certain disciple, Ananias. And, and God speaks to him one day and says, I want you to go to this certain house on a certain street called Straight Street and go and knock on this door and meet someone. He's just this man called Saul. We just read about Saul. He approved of Stephen being killed and then was trying to get more people killed, more things shut down. Can you imagine hearing that from God? Like okay, you're gonna, you're gonna go and talk to someone. You've been asking me, what can I do? And God gives this picture of there's a person in a certain house. You need to go and do something about it. I, now the Bible doesn't give every detail, so I'm going to be slightly poetic with it. But my guess is there was a bit of back and forth. My guess is Ananias is like someone else better. Like what about Peter? Peter's better that sort of thing. He Peter, he, he's you know he's been in prison. Peter's better. Ask him instead. Or maybe maybe like a woman will be better because um, th- th- he's not gonna see it coming if it's a woman. Or Maybe someone older, maybe someone richer, maybe someone who can relate to him more. Maybe anybody but me. I-, I don't think this is for me because surely the second he meets him, he's gonna get him stoned like he did with Stephen. But at one moment, Ananias decides, okay, if not me, then who? So he starts a walk and my guess will be, it would not be a fast walk. Have you ever seen a toddler try to go to bed? It would be one of those walks of like, I am coming like this, sort of, I am going, God. If you want to send anyone else before me, that's totally fine. You can send anyone, no, okay, it's still me. Walk there, and then he gets there, knocks on the door, and he's like, is Saul in? (laughs) Just come for a little chat, and and then, you know, you can read the story in Acts. Saul's there, and they have this encounter, and Saul changes in that moment. He stops being saw the persecutor and becomes paul the apostle who we now know is the writer of much of the new testament really the exploder, the carrier of faith because one man a certain man did something obeyed god and i wonder if he had and what would have happened the great thing is this there's no pressure in this because it's not like if it wasn't for him then nothing would have happened because i think god is able to use other people and there's that great quote by Ron Bunky that when God spoke to him, he said, why me? He said, I've asked five other people, I think it was, and they said, no, so it's your turn. We have a choice of what we do with this. God is not a forceful God. He's not going to kind of pick you up and put you in front of someone and say, now do it. But God invites us to be part of the mission of speaking to people. We get to play our part. We don't have to play our part, but we get to play our part in sowing seeds and telling people about Jesus. And it is a privilege and a joy. The joy of having someone stood next to you in church, freaking out those moments where you're like, oh, it's," you notice how weird church is when you bring someone who doesn't ever been to church before. It's weird. We say strange things. You notice those sorts of uncomfortable things. It's just a joy when you get to see someone move from kind of awkwardly sitting in church then being in church wanting them and then responding to Jesus then changed by Jesus then letting go of anxiety and picking up faith walking in bringing other people to Jesus walking the the walk of discipleship it's a joy like nothing else and we miss out if we just say no and don't look around don't notice what God's given us and the opportunities we have this is an incredible mission that we get to do we cannot just sit and think well it's we're okay we're okay. We've got to realize that they aren't okay. They are scared and frightened. If we're nervous about the cost of living crisis, how much worse is it if you don't know Jesus is the one who holds us together? how hard is it to walk through things and not know that my eternity is secure and safe my anchor is fixed my foundation is jesus that at the beginning and the end is him it's not on me the pressure's not me he loves me he has a plan for me and young people who are walking through identity crisis and all this stuff that's going on god has a plan for them and we get to be part of his mission and we can sit there and do nothing or we can do something we can decide that this week we're going to aim for a conversation. This week we're going to be brave. Tomorrow when we go back to school or when we go to college or we go back to we can do something. And we've got something for you at the end of the service that some of the Elevate guys are going to give out to us as we leave. They're little packets of seeds. And they just say scattered seeds. And the thing is this, they're they're apparently seeds that if you throw in your grass, eventually some uh, wildflowers will grow. And some of you Like me, we'll do nothing with those. They'll stay in your Bible as a bookmark. I guess I'm not really into gardening. But some of you will do something with them. And and I'm hoping that in weeks to come, we'll see pictures of these flowers have grown up. The same is true with what God's done to you. There's a seed in you. God's word is in you. Do we just hide it and think, oh, it's just for me and myself. I'm going to stay here, get filled up really full. I mean, can you imagine going back to the service station thing? If we've got to the service station and said, fill it up, that's 3,000 pounds or whatever it is right now. Fill it up. And then you just sit there and think, look at my full tank. And you see all these people driving past and think, yeah, but look, I've got all the petrol that I need. And do nothing. Because if we're honest, some of us are guilty of that. We sit in here, we hear things, we experience God, we have all these encounters, and then we do nothing. He's given us this gift, this light to shine, so it can shine light out. And so we need to not hide it under a bushel, but do something about it. Shine light, scatter around, wherever you are, there's a calling place. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have this incredible mission for us. You have a place and a position for each one of us. And God, right now, Holy Spirit, would you start to drop names into people's hearts? Start to give us new ways to see. God, we thank you that you know every person in our lives far more than we do. You know the questions that they have and the the insecurities and the, the confusion that they have. And right now, God, I just pray for prophetic words to come from each person to speak into those situations, speak into those questions, for opportunities to happen on Monday. For questions like, what did you do on Sunday to come out? Even through the death of the Queen, God, I pray for opportunities for that, to talk about She She's loved you, Jesus. God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, would you help us see opportunities? With eyes closed, just in this place. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've heard of him, be sat in church before this could be your very first time you've heard about Jesus but you've never actually experienced him you wouldn't say that you're a Christian you're just someone who knows about Jesus but you're not in a relationship with him and you want to be we want to give you an opportunity to be prayed for today we're not going to embarrass you we're not going to ask you to come out or do anything strange during the service but just so I know who I'm praying for and there's two other people looking if that's you could you raise your hand so we know who we're praying for this morning Alex if you could put more lights on the balcony that'd be great Anybody at all? God, I pray right now that you start to speak to people's hearts and minds. Start to give us a fire again. Start to understand that the treasure that we have in you, Jesus. And start to look for it in others. In your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to praise again. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.